you can be seated. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Allison. thinking about the uh, passage that Robbie read, part of the narrative of Christ coming to the city of, of Jerusalem. Uh, the donkey, when you go, by the way, let me just say this. I am working on, several of you have asked, and, and uh, we're hopefully going to take, I'm going to take a crew, a group, a crew, whatever you want to call it, to Israel. Now, now listen. In November of 23, so you got 18 months, okay? And uh, so I'm, the group that I went with several years ago, I'm planning, to, I'm planning on using them, and uh, we're already talking about some things. And so uh, usually, you, you, I can't give you the dates, but we usually get back a couple of days before Thanksgiving. That tells you what part of the month of November it would be in. So you can start saving now. If you're interested, I can give you some, some big round numbers, but uh, the details, you know, we'll, we'll get later on. So if you have an interest in that, you can see me uh, in the days to come. We've got plenty of time. But I thought of that about the donkey. When you go to Jerusalem, um, everybody's selling something. And uh, Diane paid... I didn't want her to do this, but when you're coming down off the Mount of Olives, and literally, and this is one reason why you want to go, because when you read the Scriptures, I think about all that, because I've been there, you know, and you're thinking about what it was like to be on the Mount of Olives, and, and like part of the passage, if we get to it today, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, there is a garden, and, and where it's the, if it's the exact location, we're not sure, but it's close knowing that I've been in that garden and, and how long it takes to walk from the Mount of Olives down through the Kidron Valley into the main, one of the main gates of the city. I've done that several times. And, and you can visualize where, where Jesus was. And so it's just profound. But anyway, we were, we were coming into the city. This was the latter part of the trip because you're, you're going to tour Jerusalem for several days and then you, you go to the cross and do the garden tomb on your last couple of days. And, uh, but she paid this, you know, their, to, in order for, they, Diane wanted, they had a donkey. I don't know if Diane didn't ride the donkey, I don't think. Um, I can make a joke there, but let's move on. Um, but for some reason, oh, to, to, to walk the donkey down the hill like, like Jesus, and then have, a, have your picture taken. I think she paid the guy 10 bucks to do that. I about lost my mind. But, but anyway, and I was thinking about, you know, and, but as a Christian, they know that Christians are going to want to do that because they're talking about this is the path that Jesus probably took when he rode the, the you know, so pay 10 bucks and get a picture with your donkey. So <laughs> any, anyway, so uh, that's good stuff, isn't it? Um, your Bible's open to the Gospel of John, and um, I want to. There's no way I'll get to where I want to go this morning for several reasons, but uh, John 12. Go to John 12, and I just want to show you a couple things here, and then I'm gonna. When you think about why Christ came, and you got to think about all the things in John's gospel about all the things that Jesus accomplished in that last week. Okay, 
And just, I wanted to show you how profound this is, but look at, your, look at John 12, and um, look at John 12, 1. So it tells you that half of John's gospel is about the last week. And really, a good portion of it is about the last two days. Um, where Jesus is in the upper room. But anyway, so John 12, 1 says, six days before the Passover, okay? Well, if it's six days before Passover, okay, uh, this is going to be uh, a Saturday. So this is, this is a Sabbath Saturday. So when John says... Uh, uh, Six days before Passover, that is a, um, that's a Sabbath, that's going to be a, that's a Saturday for the Jews. And I was going to read all this, but jump over to verse um, 12. This begins, I just wanted to show you this. This begins the triumphal entry in John's gospel, okay? Says, what does it say? The next day. So if six days before Passover was a Sabbath, the next day would be what day of the week? There you go. Palm Sunday. Okay. So that's today in historically celebration of Christianity. This is the day we celebrate uh, the Sunday before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And it's called... Palm Sunday. And as you see here in John 12, it says, And on the next day, the large crowd, just follow along with me, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Okay? So, he's been in Bethany. If you go back and read, he visited Bethany. That's where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. They held a banquet or a meal thanking Jesus for bringing Lazarus back from the dead. And so there's a great crowd there because obviously in the community of Bethany, which is only like two miles, really it's less than that, from Jerusalem. It's right over the hill from the Mount of Olives. So everybody's heard, you know, at that point around there that Lazarus had been brought back from the dead. So Jesus comes to have a banquet for him. And I love the passage because it says the people that gathered at the meal were there to see Jesus, but they were also there to see who? Lazarus. Do you know you've been brought back from the dead? I mentioned something like that last week about how many people pay attention to your life from the dead, spiritually. By the way, it's just as profound. A physical resurrection is not any more profound than a spiritual resurrection. So uh, I think about that, that, that yes, it was incredible, but, but what happened to you and I through the new birth, which to me was more incredible. Uh, so that's the scene. So there's people everywhere. And you know, we're at Passover. So people have been traveling to, to Jerusalem from all over the, the Roman Empire, literally. And so... Uh, there's people everywhere because we're getting close to it, you know. And so it says the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they 
So they took branches of palm trees and and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And it says, and of course, Robbie read the longer account out of Luke, but in Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it just as it is. And see, this is a fulfillment of scripture. The Messiah, according to Zechariah 9.9, was going to ride on a donkey's colt. The Messiah, and you would think a king would present himself on a big steed or something, but no, he's going to be riding a donkey. But the prophecy said that in Zechariah 9.9, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming. What's he on? On a donkey's colt. So Jesus, see, Christ is the Word, become flesh. He knows the Word. So everything the Bible said about Him as the Messiah, He fulfilled. So all during this last week of His life, Jesus was fulfilling Scripture. Now, I've had a... You've ever had bad weeks? And again, compared to what's going on in other parts of the world, it wasn't a bad week. But, and it wasn't this week, it was the week before. In the course of three or four days, uh, my brand new washing machine that I made fun of a couple of months ago, well, really my dryer I made fun of, but it's a brand new washing machine. I mean, like a brand new one. Eight months old, it malfunctioned and flooded my house because it's in our bedroom. We have a laundry area in our bedroom upstairs. Yes, yes, I don't want to walk downstairs and wash clothes. Okay, that's true, okay. But it's two flights because we're in an old house and it's two sets of stairs. I'm not meant to go downstairs. It's unbiblical to go down two flights of stairs. And so, so, I put, so we put a laundry area in our bedroom and so it malfunctioned and flooded my bedroom but also the bathroom area below it. Eight months old. Well, then the day after that, Diane is, is uh, on her way to choir. Walter's not, oh, hey, Walter. She was running late, and we had plans, and so she wanted to be on time. And she took my car, which in some ways I'm glad she did. She hit the curb out there and blew my tire out. And, and I'm talking about blowing my tire out. I'm not talking about a little, I'm just had a massive hole in the side of it. And uh, so, and it was a brand new tire. I just got them. I'd got them uh, four months ago. I hadn't even had them rotated yet. So, and uh, so, so we had, at least she didn't dent the rim. Guys that know what I'm talking about, at least she didn't have to buy a new rim because they're 19-inch rims. And I, I think I just had to park the car. But anyway, so, so, she, so we had all that. So anyway, that's a bad week. But think about the Lord Jesus having a tough week. Um, on, on the same day that they hosted this meal, for uh, for Lazarus, when he traveled, it's just interesting stuff. You think about Mark's gospel. We won't go there for the sake of time. Uh, Mark says that this is the same day that Bartimaeus met Jesus. This was the last time Jesus would make that route because he had already said it's time for me to go up to Jerusalem. Up in the sense, 
is up spiritually. You know, I don't care where you were in Israel, it's up to go to Jerusalem. And he passed by where Bartimaeus was from, and you know the encounter that Bartimaeus had from him. Remember? It's in Mark chapter 10. You know, Bartimaeus is the blind man. And he's on the way, of, he's on the side of the road begging. This is the one that knows that he, he hears that Jesus is coming. He hears that it's Jesus in this group because he knows there's a crowd walking. So he hears that it's Jesus. Obviously, he had heard about Jesus, right? Obviously. I wonder who had told him about him. But you know what Bartimaeus knew? Jesus heals the blind. So guess what Bartimaeus does? He calls out. Jesus, he even knows his, the, the name to call him from the Hebrew. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You, you know the scene. And so now the religious crowd around Jesus get all frustrated because Bartimaeus is bothering Jesus, so to speak. They say, oh, hush, we're, we're having religious fun. Get away from us. Well, he screams the even louder. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the only time in the Bible it says this, I want to say it's Mark 10, 10. Don't check me now because it will make me a liar. But it says, Jesus stood still. In ESV it says, Jesus stopped. Isn't that awesome? Why did he stop? Well, one thing he stopped for because it's a plea of mercy. And he's full of grace and mercy. That's interesting. Well, he, he, he heals Bartimaeus. It's a wonderful story. And it says, and Bartimaeus got up, and Bartimaeus could see, and Jesus says, go your way. So Bartimaeus can see now. So guess where Bartimaeus went? It says, he followed Jesus in the way. See, this was kind of the beginning of the week of Jesus. But you know, in a few days later, while Jesus is teaching the disciples, he sends uh, Judas sl slips off and he goes and he and well, let me I'll quote the verse to you in in Matthew twenty six fifteen it says he goes to the to the Pharisees and he says what are you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus to you? That's the conversation that Judas had with the with the uh, with the J Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees. What will you give me? Do you remember what that was? How many pieces of silver was it? 30 pieces of silver. You know, and you may not know this, but 30 pieces of silver in the Old Testament, uh, this will kind of humble you. In the Old Testament, the mention of 30 pieces of silver is in Exodus when God's laying down the laws for the Jews. And it, this is the law that says if your ox gores of a neighbor's slave and kills the slave, you have to give him 30 pieces of silver. So Jesus' life was the price of a slave. Isn't that interesting? Of course, he himself said he came to serve, but 30 pieces of silver. So on Wednesday, they make that exchange, and then you know it's not going to be long before early, 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 early on Friday morning, they come and arrest Jesus. I just want to read to you three or four things, and we'll, we'll dismiss. Uh, by the way, it says Judas was the word, have you ever heard of the word kleptomaniac? Okay, klepto, 
kleptomaniac. That's what Nicodemus was. I mean, that's what Nicodemus, I'm sorry. Sorry, Nicodemus. <laughs> Judas, that's what Judas uses the word kleptos for. And it, and, and it meant that not only did he, he sell Jesus out, but he was pilfering from the treasury. He, he was the accountant for the disciples. And, it, and you got to think, John's writing 60 years later. This, he wrote the gospel in 90 A.D. So it's been 40 or 50, 60 years since all these. That's why the other gospels don't mention this. But they find out afterwards they were missing money. So John writes about it and said he calls him a thief. But the word is kleptos. It, it has the word of premeditation. Everything that Judas was doing was premeditated. He sold Jesus out, and also he was pilfering from the riches that they would get to support their ministry. He was, uh, like the Bible says, he was a thief. There's a lot of thieves today that steal from the Lord Jesus, from his glory, from the worthiness of his name. Uh, Listen, I want to read to you just... uh, Seven or eight statements. Why I wrote down why Christ fulfilled Holy Week. Number one, to be a ransom for many. Now, this 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 is a week, week of his life, and there's tons of things, and we can talk about it next Sunday. Hopefully, every day there's such a significance about what Jesus does on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. But remember, on late Thursday night is when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and prays all during the night, and that's when. Peter, James, and John keep falling asleep while Jesus prayed. And Luke records Jesus prayed so fervently. Remember, most people forget this. What happened to him? He sweat drops of blood. It's such intensity because he's going to bear the guilt of sin for all people that's going to be saved. And and you can imagine. So number one, Jesus, Jesus is here to be a ransom for many. That's literally what Mark 10, 45 says. So number one, was to be a ransom for many. Number two, uh, to free us from the fear of death. That's one of the ones I like because Hebrews 2 tells us that. That Jesus Christ, knowing Him as my personal Savior and Lord and Savior, it sets me free from the fear of death. Uh, Paul talks about that also in 1 Corinthians 15, but in Hebrews 2, It talks about being a slave to the fear of death, but no longer because Christ has died in your place. Number three, so first one is to be a ransom for many. Number two, to free us from the fear of death. Number three, to call his sheep from around the world. Now that's a, I could spend some time talking about that. But in John 10, Jesus says, I have sheep. And what he's talking about, he says, I have sheep that are not of this fold. Well, the fold, when Jesus said that, were a bunch of Jews, right? That's where he came. But he says, I have sheep. Look, I have sheep. Whose sheep are they? His. Who's in control of salvation? That's right. However you want to believe about that, salvation is an act of God. I heard a preacher on TV at 5 o'clock this morning talking about you make the decision. And I understand his logic, but it's illogical unless you talk about the Spirit and God calling you to repentance. He says, I have sheep, I have sheep that are not of this fold. 
then that was me and that was you, right? So third one was to call sheep from the world. I love that one. Number four is to make out of all believers one new man. Now, he, it's a whole thing that Paul gets into in, in Ephesians 2 because there he's talking about how Gentiles and Jews didn't get along and through the miracle of the new birth, he takes the two and makes one new man because you're one new man in Christ and all of us. So Jesus came to make one new man. That, you know, all of us have this in common. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So to make one new man. It's a little theological there. Number five, to rescue believers from final judgment. Even though when we meet Christ, we will be at a judgment seat, but it's called a Bema seat, and it won't be the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is the one that has all the records of your sins. I don't want to go to that seat. I want to be rewarded for my obedience and forgiven for my disobedience, don't you? So that's what the judgment seat is. So he rescues us from final judgment. Number six, Jesus is the one who established the power and the truth of the gospel. He's the gospel. He is the gospel. As a matter of fact, the first time you see gospel, it's called the gospel of God because God sent the Son. And Jesus is the one that the gospel's about. So he gave the truth and the power to the message. Of, so when we share the gospel, who are we sharing? Christ. So he's the very power and truth behind the gospel. And the gospel, they have to hear the gospel to be saved. The Bible says that. But the gospel's about who? Christ. So I, I said he came to establish the power and truth of the gospel. Seven, he, he came to cancel the sin debt. Uh, uh, this kind of ties into the other one about the fear of death. But, you know... Colossians 2 talks about our sin debt being nailed to a tree and it describes having a paid in full. And Literally, it's describing your, your, what you owe and I owe you your sin debts nailed to the tree and, and written paid in full is what describes in Colossians 2.13. So he cancels our sin debt. Here's another thing that Christ came to do. He gives marriage its fullest meaning. Hopefully all Christians realize that. If you're in here and you're saved, you realize that the call for every married couple is to pursue Christ and love Christ. But the Bible says that Christ loving the church is the model for every marriage. So a man needs to love his wife like Christ loved the church. And a wife submits to her husband like the church does to the lordship of Christ. That's what the Bible says last couple of ones is, is to disarm and destroy the principalities and powers of evil. Let me say it again. Another reason he came, because he says this in John 12, he also says it in Luke. He talks about, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And what he was talking about, people going out and sharing the gospel and other people believing. Well, the devil had a hold of them, but all of a sudden they hear the gospel and what? They're set free. And so the power of Satan is, so he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. That's what he was talking about. People are set free. 
So, Satan, so I, I wrote down to disarm and defeat the principalities and powers of wickedness and evil. And that happens through the preaching of the gospel. Ephesians 6 talks about that too. And he talks about the whole armor of God. The last, he, the last thing I wrote down, and this is not profound. You all could write down many more than this. It's to empower me and you to live for the Son of God rather than to live for self. He was a man. A man. He was a man's man. He was a carpenter's son. Jesus framed houses, built things, carried wood. He's a man. And he came and lived a perfect life to take our place. So this last one says to empower us to live for him rather than to live for myself. Your Bible's open right here to, to John 12. Let me show you nothing that's interesting and I'll finish with this. John 12, look in verse 6 says, well verse let me pick up at verse 4. But Judas is a carrot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why? This is when Jesus was anointed, you know, by Mary, as in Mary, the, the, the sister of, of, uh, of Lazarus. And why was this uh, ointment not sold for 300 denarii? So this was probably one of her savings, you know, for the future. But this ointment. This pure nard was worth, I tell you, Judas knew the price of things, right? Nobody else said this, right? He knew. Calculating his mind. 300 denarii, right? Well, 300 denarii is, that's over, well, if you're working every day, it's 300 days wage. So if you make $100 a day, think, you know, $30,000. I mean, it's 300 days wage. And denarii was a Roman soldier's daily wage. 300, so it's a year, you know, just say approximately a year's wage. And, and so he knew what it was worth. Why wasn't it sold? And it says, you know, uh, says he, he, said, he said this uh, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was, and there's the word thief, but it's the word... Uh, what did I say earlier? The word uh, klepto, yeah, kleptos. And, and that word, that thief, you know, John uses this word because it's a premedit. The word has the root of premeditated. He planned all this. So, But I, I say that, just go to verse 7. Because Mary had anointed Jesus. And this is an interesting picture here. Now this is early. The, we really hadn't even quite got to the Holy Week yet, Okay. This is still at Lazarus' house. Jesus said, leave her alone. Are you looking at your Bibles? Leave her alone so that she may... Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Now, we're a week away from his burial. A week, six days away from his burial. What did he mean by keep it? Well, it's a play on words. 
just the Greek text. But here's what, remember what Jesus says? Whatever you lose for my name's sake, right? You'll find it. That's what he's talking about. You know, she, she gave this as, a, as, an, as an act of worship. But Jesus was saying by giving that as an act of worship, she really didn't lose it. What did she do? She kept it. And she's been rewarded for this, for that act of worship for 2,000 years. It's interesting. And so he's talking about lose your life to find it. I mean, that's what he's talking about. Give and, you know, giving it shall be given to you. Pressed down, running over, be measured back, the kind of thing. So, so she wasn't a thief. She was a giver. She was the very opposite of what... Uh, and it's, it's just very spontaneous here. By the way, this is going to happen again on Tuesday of the, of the, the week, the next week. That she's going to be anointed again. But I just find the difference between being somebody who steals from the Lordship of Christ and somebody who surrenders to the Lordship of Christ. And I love it because it says that when she did that, and I, it's symbolism here, I, I'm playing with symbolism, the aroma of that spikenard was undeniable, right? The aroma filled the room. Well, when we give for the sake of the kingdom, it is undeniable. We might even call it the aroma of holiness. All because Jesus is worthy of it, right? He is, isn't he? Let's stand for prayer. Please stay if you didn't plan and you didn't know we were doing this. We'd love for you to stay and eat a hot dog and, and fellowship with our church. Wednesday night covered dish, so bring some food. Um, next Sunday, sunrise at 6.30, and then breakfast and regular Sunday schedule. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for uh, fleshing out uh, obedience and fulfilling every jot and tittle of the commands of the Father so that you would be the Lamb without blemish. Father, thank you that your gift of life covers me. It takes my sin away. Father, thank you for Holy Week. Above all, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful name it is. In his name we pray. Amen.